0: Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Now, for you visitors that don't know, we are going through the book of Mark. And normally on a holiday or a significant day in church calendar life, we, we go with whatever's going on. We go through Advent during the Christmas season. We talk about the Passion of Christ, going into Easter, and all of that. Um, for Mother's Day, we have a Mother's Day sermon. On oh, Father's Day, we do that as well. But it just so happens that where we are in the book of Mark will coincide with a Mother's Day message. So I'm just that's just putting all my cards out on the table. Uh, this morning's Mother's Day message is we're going to use the text out of Mark chapter 1. We're going to read verses 16 through 20. We're going to pray, and then we are going to... And immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for this day. God, we rejoice. We are glad this is the day you've made and we are thrilled to be in it. Lord, we don't know what the rest of this day holds, but we know that you are holding it. And God, we ask today that in the sermon you would be glorified, that you would help us to hear what we need to hear, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, some of us are coming in with spiritual calluses, we've hard hearts, we think we know things that we don't actually know. And I pray this morning that hearts would be softened and that the gospel would penetrate inside. And God, I, I pray that that moms this morning would be encouraged, Lord, to serve you with all of their heart. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, amen, okay, famous passage of scripture, of course, it's the calling of uh, the first four disciples, and when we get into chapter three, I'm going to spend a lot more time on the disciples so this morning I'm not going to do that. Um, the things that I want us to notice out of this is that Jesus is walking on the Sea of Galilee is this or it's called the Sea of Galilee it's Luke calls it a lake, it's called Gennesaret in another, in another spot. We'll look at all that as we go through the book of Mark. But it, this, this area, lots of fish. Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that they had unique fish, and that's why everybody wanted the fish out of that lake, because it was good food. And so something that's interesting to note, that at least for James and John, their fishing enterprise was successful enough that it was a family business, with hired servants. Sometimes we have it in our head that the disciples were just poor, poor, poor. But I think what they were were regular folk working people. They were people that had businesses and they were people that Jesus had selected in His sovereign grace seemingly randomly but He had a purpose in selecting them. But this This little passage tells us something else that is unique about Jesus calling the disciples. When you were in first century Palestine and you were a Jewish boy that was interested in growing deeper or you were interested in some kind of religious career or you just were passionate about God, you would go find a rabbi or teacher and you, they had like little schools, and this is the way the rabbis uh, were supported and made money, and you would go to whichever the popular rabbi of your area was, and you would, in essence, sign up for his school, and then you would follow him. That is exactly the way that it worked. Rabbis did not come looking for students students went looking for rabbis. So one of the unique things about this is that Jesus went and called people that even if rabbis did go looking for students, they certainly wouldn't have went and picked these guys. In particular, they wouldn't have picked Matthew, who was a tax collector. And if they had known that Jesus knew, the son of perdition, they most certainly wouldn't have picked Judas. But Jesus being the son of God, totally different, totally unique, went and handpicked his disciples to follow him. There's something else that's unique in here. They did it. So if, if somebody came into work tomorrow morning and looked at you and said, follow me, would you just shut your computer down or shut down whatever you're doing, lock your key drawer up and leave? That's what they did, because they understood in a Jewish context with a rabbi, they understood that what they were doing was leaving everything to follow this rabbi and learn. Jesus had something special, and in particular in his words and in his demeanor, and we know what that is. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God in the flesh. And when God says, come, you come, that's what they did. Following Jesus has one other thing in it that is unique. And, And it's a famous thing. There are a trillion sermons better than what I could give you this morning on what does it mean when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. We, we know what it is. How many of you have heard Sunday school lessons on this? Or Bible studies? Or other sermons? We've all, we all have. Jesus tells them, you guys are fishing right now, but if you come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Now here is something that is unique. Because this is not the first time that this phrase ever pops up. The phrase pops up in the Old Testament multiple times where God, in reference to judgment, says that he's going to have fishers of men and hunters of men bringing them back and it's for the sake of judgment. What it seems like Jesus is actually doing is turning that almost upside down and saying, I am going to, in the way you've heard in the past about God having fishers of men, I am going to make you a fisher of men for the purpose of salvation. Now, I don't think they understand that here, but they are going to understand that by the time we get to Mark chapter 16, and he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He is going to turn these disciples into fishers of men. But the only way you can get there is the only way to graduate to get to the place of being a fisher of men is you've got to go through the rabbi school. Which is what he's calling them to do here. You have to go through three years of the ministry and the life of Jesus Christ, following him, imitating him, knowing him, and Jesus in that process is discipling them to turn them into fishers of men. Everybody following that? That all makes sense. That's actually. That's not actually very deep uh, at all. That's that's really very plain. That is exactly what Jesus is doing. So what in the world does that got to do with you, Mom? Well, it's got a lot to do with you. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Or you don't even have to turn there. You don't have to turn there. But 1 Corinthians 11.1 one of the, there's five times that the Apostle Paul uses this in a similar phrase. And this is the quickest and the easiest one. This is, if you want to have a Bible verse to memorize, this is a good one. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul says this in multiple, multiple ways. In fact, Daryl, if you have Philippians 4 uh, 9, if you could put that one up too. Um just just to see another way that he says it. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. You've learned, you've received, you've heard, and you've seen it. You have watched this in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful lot like a parent telling the kid, Just watch what I'm doing and you do it. That is exactly what he's saying. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Don't be imitators of me when I'm angry and losing my temper. Don't be imitators of me when I am wrong. Don't be an imitator of me in sin. But as I imitate Christ... You imitate me imitating him. That's pretty simple, right? The whole nature of discipleship, Lee does our men's ministry banded and talks about this all the time. The whole idea of discipleship is the reproduction of Christian life and values and scriptural understanding in the life of another Christian. This is the way you're supposed to work. All you Brothers and sisters in Christ that have known Jesus for a little while, your job is to make other disciples and help them grow. It's your your job is not to come to church so you can say that you did. <laughs> we've got we are messed up. Just just as a little side note, we've got a messed up view of what church is. I came to church, I punched the little church card. Now I can go to work on Monday and not feel guilty. Yay! Or my wife won't talk to me this week. When I'm watching the TV I want to watch, I can say, hey, I was at church Sunday. I'm clearly in the clear. Or maybe it's you, Mom, that's saying that. It's typically a guy, but it could be you. We we have a backwards mindset on what's going on, but being a Christian and following Christ is an all-consuming life. It's it's not a, eh, I've... Added Jesus to my life just to, you know, spruce it up a little bit. That is, uh, that's Walmart Jesus. I went down the line at Walmart and I had multiple choices of religions. I had uh, Kellogg's Buddha religion and I had post-Christian religion and I had whatever else. And I just selected Jesus because that's the culture I live in. And uh, yeah, it's, it's made things a little better. That, that's not Christianity. Jesus is saying, leave your nets and follow me. And Paul is saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And the way that he says it here is, you've learned, you've received things, you've heard the teaching, and you've actually seen me practice them. If you do those things, the God of peace will be with you. That's what's being said. I think the reason Christianity turns into Kool-Aid with one packet of Kool-Aid in a 75-gallon drum, if anybody went to vacation Bible school, you've had this Kool-Aid, right? You have a 75-gallon drum of water, and then the sweet little old lady running the vacation Bible school in the moldy, smelly basement of the church, right? You guys are picturing it because you've, if you've been around, you've experienced it. They pull out one grape Kool-Aid. It's got an old logo because it's from the 60s. They pour that in. They get one teaspoon of sugar. They stir it up. They're afraid it might be a little strong. And then they serve that grape Kool-Aid to all the kids. It has... John's a chemical engineer. He could probably explain how many molecules of grape Kool-Aid are actually in there. But it's precious few. And you barely taste it. The reason why Christianity... Is like that kind of Kool Aid is because that isn't Christianity. That is a weak, watered down, terrible version of something nobody wants to drink. The real stuff that God has is powerful and life altering and life changing. And it involves practice and receiving and hearing, it involves life change. Mom, where are you at in this? What am I getting at? I do want you to turn here. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. The very beginning of Proverbs, as Solomon is introducing the idea of this wisdom literature. He says in verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, discipline, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. What is implied if the beginning of the wisdom literature called Proverbs is listen to your father's instruction, listen to your mother's teaching, it'll be a garland like a crown around your head, it'll be pendants or like a necklace of crowning of glory of wisdom, it's going to be around your neck. Don't forsake these things. What does that imply? It implies that God uses moms and dads to instruct their children in the way that God wants them to go. Not even remotely complicated. It's not deeply philosophical, but it is deep. Because every one of us who have had godly mothers know that those teachings that they gave us went way down deep and entangled around in the core of who we are to such a degree that you could, your mother could have been passed away 20, 30 years and the stuff that she has said still rings in your ears. Is this, is this true? The negative is also true, correct? In abusive parental situations or abusive situations that unfortunately many people have experienced, that negative thing can hang on, entrenched into your life. But when a godly mother has instructed their children no matter how imperfectly. And Mama, I know you feel like you're not doing enough. And I know you feel like you're not good enough. And I know you feel like it's not enough. God is taking your teaching and your instruction and your life and your example because they see you talking on the phone. They hear you. they 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 see what's going on in your life. They're seeing that and you are Engaging in Proverbs as the teacher, mom. You're teaching them about life and you're teaching them about Christ. Stay in the book of Proverbs and go to chapter 6. It is the same thing, but it carries an additional punch. This is Solomon telling his son how to stay away from adultery. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. Mom, you want to raise sons and daughters that do not grow up and commit adultery? Teach them. Bind them on your heart always. What? The teachings of your mother your father's command. Bind this to your life. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. What will? The teaching that your mother gave you. Now, I want you to think about your life, men and women, I want you to think, How many times has the advice and the wisdom of your mother carried through in something hard? I want you to raise your hand if you can think of something right now. Just something right now. My mom told me something. I will never forget being in fourth grade, Tavernerville Elementary, it doesn't exist today. I was... Really amped up about a social studies project that I had studied really hard for because I was a nerd and winning the social studies fair was important and my competitiveness had nothing to do with it. Um, and this other kid beat me. Uh, and probably fairly. At the time, it didn't feel fair because uh, his handwriting was sloppy and I had spent like three hours doing it real neat, like I was told instructed by the wisdom of my father and mother. And I remember crying and being so upset that this kid with the sloppy report had beat me. I still remember mine was on satellite dishes. This was the eighties. Remember satellite dishes were everywhere. I built a satellite and by I built, I mean, my dad did. He had to bring it in on like a flatbed truck type situation. And, uh, And and I had done this whole thing on satellite. I forget all the details. And he had done something on artisan wells. I I mean, I still remember it. Came home that night. I'm crying. And it's the tears of both disappointment and rage. Anybody, you know what I mean? That like losing something. Okay. That's what happens when you're competitive. Jesus has to work with you. And so my mom says, we're going to read the Bible tonight. We're reading through the Bible. And she opens up to a book in Psalms 73. When I was envious of the wicked. I've never forgotten it. When she got done, this is how smart I was and how perceptive I was. I clearly deserved to win this award. I said, did you read that because of me? (laughs) And she said... Yes, and then she went to bed. So, but here I am, 30-some years later, in the wisdom of that moment and the instruction of that moment and the love of that moment in conjunction with the Word of God, I've never forgotten, and I never will, and those are the kind of things that happen when you, you as a mom are instructing your children in the way that they should go. Now, obviously this applies to dads too, but mom, this is you this morning that we're talking about. I want to encourage you that what you are doing as a mother, and it's not just applying biblical text in those moments, but it's also teaching your children what the fruits of the Spirit are by demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit to your children. By praying with them when something is difficult, when there are issues at school with friends, when there's issues in life that they don't know about, or if it's just the simple things that God gave moms that He did not give dads, like why does every one of us run to mom when we skin our knee instead of dad? I didn't ever run to dad when I skinned my knee. It was always, I want mom because dad is probably going to get the weird red stuff out of the top of the cabinet that is acid and just eats everything away and that's how it heals the wound whatever it was dad's mom was a little more gentle and caring and nurturing and all your instruction of uh of your children mom is so important and it doesn't stop when they get out of diapers or when they get out of the house it doesn't stop mom because you remain an influence in the life of your children throughout your entire life. That's why this message is important for every mother in this room. You are always an example to your children. Always. I feel like I'm forgetting something that's really important. Oh, yes. How does this relate to Mark, chapter 1? This relates to Mark chapter 1 because Jesus call to every follower is to follow. And your job, mom, is to be an instrument of God's grace to teach your child how to follow Jesus. Your job as a parent is to teach your children how to follow Him, and to model it, and to show them what it looks like, which is why this carries on through your whole life. When all of our children leave our house, our daughters are still going to be coming to their mother and asking for help, advice, direction, and they're still going to see how she reacts. They're still going to see how she treats certain situations. How does somebody learn how to grow old gracefully? By watching you, Mom, grow old gracefully in Christ. And if you're in the process right now of not being very graceful about it, start today. Start today and say, Lord, help me be somebody that my children can imitate. It is a mistake for any parent to believe that when the kids are out of the house, it's over, I've done my job. You remain in the position. Of discipler throughout your entire life. Now, that doesn't mean that you get involved in all the marriage problems. Yet you leave and you leave your father and mother and you cleave your your spouse. Okay, so we're not discounting that truth. I don't I don't want my mom involved in my budgetary discussions with my wife. No, neither do you. My mom, thankfully, doesn't want to be involved in those discussions. But What I mean is, is that in your life serving Christ, as you are following him, you are still an example to your children and to other moms that might be nearby in this congregation. So when Jesus calls you to be a follower, your children are watching how you follow. And you are instructing them in the day-to-day wisdom, in the scripture wisdom, in the circumstances as they arise, that you're also demonstrating that to your child. Now, we are dedicating babies today. And some of the babies are actually not babies anymore. Some of them are a little older than that, which is totally fine. And I wanted, to, I wanted to let everybody know, I mean, I've done baby dedications for a long time, but we've kind of altered the way we do them recently um, over the past uh, year or two. And there is a lot of wisdom found uh, throughout church history. And one of, the, one of the issues of, it's a debate between infant baptism and believer's baptism, which we're not going to get into this morning. But one of, the, one of the things that goes on with infant baptism if done in certain traditions is the idea that the family and the parent is saying my child is going to serve Jesus because I am going to commit to this body of believers, to the world, and most importantly to the Lord Jesus Christ that I am going to raise this child for the kingdom of God. That is a commitment that you are making. Now, we don't believe in infant baptism, okay? But we are doing a baby dedication. And the baby dedication is carrying the same idea that all the parents involved, and Daniel, you can go ahead and grab the kids if you want. Um, The idea is that you as a parent are committing and saying, I'm not just bringing this baby up front, we're going to say a prayer, get some certificates, Everybody goes home and it has a feel-good and we go out to eat and then I have a little certificate I stick up on the wall. That is not the point. The point is, is that you as a parent are taking this Proverbs section of Scripture about hang on to the wisdom that your mother gave you. You're taking that seriously and saying, I better be giving them some wisdom then. I better be teaching them. I better be instructing them i better be somebody that they can look to and imitate. And I want to just give you in advance so it doesn't scare anybody that there's going to be some question and answer session for everybody that's dedicating your child. It'll be like when you got married and you say, yes, I do, yes, I do. That's really all that you're going to be doing because I'm going to ask a couple questions uh, in this baby dedication. And all I need from you, mom and dad, is to say, yes, yes, we will. Or yes, we, we do. So you'll know when that comes. So this is what I'm going to do. If you have a child that you are dedicating today, I want you to go ahead and stand up. I'm going to have you come to the front. and we're, We can spread out all the way to the door and just wrap all the way around if you would like to do that. And your children are coming in to join you shortly. I was gonna have all the grandparents come up, but I think if we do that. Yeah, you guys can you guys can all like start scooting all the way across here. Yeah, that's that's perfect. If I had the grandparents come up, we would just not have enough room. So Daniel, you can deliver that baby. Okay, that is that is not. He is not going to be delivering any babies in that sense. So Colton is coming up. Whoever else is, whichever moms, dads, just grab your children. Whatever we need to do. And grandparents and family and friends, if you need to move around and take pictures, you do whatever you need to do. Um, You are free to, there's space in these front rows, whatever you would like to do. Okay. Do we have all the children? Okay. They're coming. And congregation, you have a role in this too. You know, you your role is the acknowledgement that we're all in this together as a church family. And I see some cutie pies coming in. Again, grandparents, if you want to come up into these front rows, you can. As soon as I'm done with this ceremony part, we're gonna the uh, Jennifer and Chris are gonna do the song "The Blessing," which is right out of the Old Testament. Um, and it is a blessing over the family, and then that is how we're going to dismiss. Okay. Is everybody ready? When our Lord Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, He commanded His disciples to preach the gospel to all nations and to baptize those who believe. They obeyed His command, and we read of the Apostle Peter preaching in these words, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Him. We read here the promise of God to give forgiveness and His Holy Spirit to all who turn to Christ. This promise also embraces the children of God's people. The risen Jesus is willing to give the blessing of eternal life to our children when we bring them to Him in faith. Children must themselves express their faith in God when they are able to do so. They must turn away from sin and put their trust in Jesus. You who already trust in Christ are asked to teach and to encourage your child in the same faith. So parents, are you yourselves followers of Jesus Christ trusting in the gracious promises of God? Yes, Are you willing to answer for your children now and accept responsibility for their Christian upbringing in the life of the church? Yes. Then on behalf of your children, answer these questions. You've turned away from sin, the devil, and all evil to turn to Christ. Yes? Then let me read an ancient profession of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Parents, do you profess this same faith? Will you follow Jesus faithfully, obey His commands throughout your life, providing your children with a godly example to follow? Then let's pray. Father, we thank You for these precious children. We thank You for their lives. We dedicate them to You this morning in the name of Jesus. God, we Pray that you give these parents grace and wisdom. There are so many things in front of them. God, help them, teach them, guide them as they serve you with all their heart and leave an example for their children. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Faith be upon you in the thousand generations. generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his faith be upon you and you and around you. May his favor go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. Ooh. May his presence before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you, he is with you, he is with you, in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping, and rejoicing, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you. you. For you, he is for you. Yeah. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, he is with you. Church, thank you for supporting these moms and dads. Thank you for loving these moms and dads. Thank you for supporting these children and helping them as they raise them. Let's give all the moms this morning a big hand. Happy Mother's Day. So we have... We have certificates wanna hand out. There you go. Let me see. This is yours. Yes. I think so. We clearly did not do this in order. So we got Kobe, Colton, Caden, Mark, I think you can handle that there, and let's give them a hand one more time. You all can be seated. So there's only one more thing to do. And that is to say that you are officially dismissed, but moms, before you go, please come up here and grab a flower arrangement of your choosing. Happy Mother's Day. We love all of you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.